listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. Conspiracy. Before us, the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Either you are with us, or you are with the terrorists. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. My rod and my staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Podcasting to you from deep inside the third winter of Oklahoma, where I am wearing a coat yet again. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And podcasting to you from Piedmont, Oklahoma, where I learned the hard way, never take free kittens from strangers. I'm Andrew Hoffman. <laughs> I haven't heard this story, so I'd like to. I don't, I don't know that you do. I don't know that the listeners do, but... I'll just I'll just do the last twenty four hours. How about that? Okay. So all the all the drama uh, before that we'll leave out of it. Uh, so they went to the vet to, as Bob Barker used to say, pay their dues yesterday. So apparently, some of the the pain medication caused uh, difficulties controlling certain bodily functions. Oh, so, no. and of course, it occurred in our our youngest daughter's room because she always drags them in there. So that was uh, dealt with yesterday. You know, it's whatever. It's kind of a rough day. It ended with me going to the pet store for kitty litter and uh, some canned cat food because they you know you got to give them more medicine or whatever which by the way i guess you know guess how much two bags of kitty litter cost these days <laughs> i don't know man how much i think it was i think it was about 80 bucks two bags of kitty litter yeah like just the stuff that they bury their poop in yes yeah 80 dollars for kitty litter like how, yeah. how were you buying like well, it's the stuff that's supposed to keep them, like, guaranteed to not have them go on the floor. But, you know. Was it like 40-pound bags? Uh, no, 20-pound bags. Two 20-pound bags. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, as you know, listeners don't know, I have a cat now as well. But it's a little bit of a different living situation. Yeah, stay in the barn. These these are about to be uh, either garage or outside cats. I can tell you what. It's either that or someone's going to get a really good deal on two 
two young kittens <laughs> pretty darn soon. So, so this morning, <laughs> I decide, you know, I haven't exercised in a couple days. I've got work at 10. Yes, honey, I know you're not feeling well, and I should be staying home to keep an eye on her youngest daughter who, you know, five-year-old with Down syndrome, all the growing up stages are extended. So she's been in the terrible twos for about three years now. And so you, you basically have to watch, you know, watch her like a hawk, otherwise disasters happen. But I'm like, oh no, it'll be fine. I'll put on some, you know, uh, kids cartoons and, and go to the gym and I'll only be gone an hour no big deal. So I come back just in time to sign in for work. And uh, where, where is she? Where's she at? Oh, she's in the laundry room with the cats and the litter boxes and has uh, used the scoop to transport most of the litter out of the litter boxes all over herself. So this is, that's the morning. And uh, tonight, <sighs> you know, trying to recover from, you know, trying to say everything. You know, I can take no credit for cleaning everything up. That was all my poor wife who has a, a cold and still cleaned everything up. So, you know, no huge disasters the rest of the day uh, until... Uh, post bath, actually there were, but we're we're skipping forward. It's too long already. Uh, so give our youngest a bath, take her out. We're dealing with the oldest and food drama of no, I don't want to take one bite of meatloaf. This is <laughs> this is torture, you know. So that's a you know about an hour and a half's worth of entertainment there. And uh, so finally get that resolved and youngest is in the bath, out of the bath. Uh, we are still talking about the oldest and, uh, well, wait a second. Where is she? Oh, she's in her room playing. Oh, is she? No, no, not in there. Back in the bathroom where she's managed to uh, empty the contents of the hand soap all into her hair that she, you know, we just got done washing, washing the kitty litter out of. So this was, that was my evening. That was your evening this evening? Yeah, that was all, that was all today, but. That's a, that's a tough day, man. I apologize for you. I'm sorry for you. So, and then, then I get on to do a podcast and Tim's like, oh, your computer's so loud. The fans are, what do you have, a fan in there? What is it? It's jet engine in your office? So this is. The guy who never I'm sorry. listens. I'm sorry. <laughs> guy who never listens to the podcast, talking to everyone else who can hear your fan. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so we're we're going to invest in different a different type of microphone that's supposed to not catch room noise. Yeah, as yeah. much. We'll get it. We'll so. get it done. But first and foremost, I just want to say something to you, buddy. Everybody needs to hear it. No, not everybody. Some people need to hear it occasionally. And you're a good dad, man. You are. You are a good dad. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't. I had. I had much less drama than that today, and still managed to yell at my son for you know. I apologized to him, and I was like, "Look, sorry, I yelled at you. 
but you need to eat your food. <laughs> and he said, he said, you just told me you were sorry. I'm like, yeah, I, I am sorry for yelling. However, you need to eat <laughs> your food. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've moved on to a new thing, which is here's the food you're going to have. This is the next food that you will eat. So like, if you don't need it now, no big deal. We'll see you later. You go do what you need to do. But when food when food comes up again, this is still going to be here, and you're going to eat it. It's actually worked pretty well. He uh, it, has it worked pretty well. What's it, the longest he's gone? Uh, well, what ends up happening is he goes about an hour, maybe two. Oh man, he got it so easy. <laughs> well, he's younger. He's younger. He's not quite as yeah. as old as, as as her yet. But he'll go an hour, maybe two, and then what he'll say is he'll just say, you know. I would. I think I want some dessert. You know, I think I want some of that. Some of the stuff I got over there. Oh, that's totally cool, man! You can have dessert. Let's go revisit the table where this food is. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, is, it gets worse as they get older. Oh no, this is. You know, this has been an issue since very young childhood. So she, we, we tried that exact method because mm-hmm. uh, we heard from. You some know, people, family members that this sure. was a this was a good right method, mm-hmm. and she she's like, okay, I'll start then. So, forty eight hours later, no, yeah, <laughs> she's the, there's a you know she's what we call a spirited child. She's she's a strong willed child. Yes, she there's, is very strong willed child. <laughs> I'm a little worried. My uh, the one the one bringing up the rear here, the one year old. She uh, sweet sweet as possible, sweet as pie, but she shows some tendencies to be much more stubborn than yeah than, than her than her elder. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be tough. But usually the second child isn't as strong willed. But I don't know. Oh, maybe not. Could could be. Yeah, could be. Well, anyway. Um, you know, if people listening to your story may, may, may say, you know, that, that doesn't sound like there's a lot going on in my house. I should be thankful. People looking at like, I don't know, Ukraine should be like, Hey, that's a lot going on over there. I should be thankful that I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> it's it just depends yeah. kind of where you are on the political spectrum and nothing brings, uh, thankfulness like not having to or realizing what other people are going through. And uh, it seems like a lot of other people are going through, apparently, supposedly, are going through some big things right now. So, Well, Tim, you, I don't think we brought this on the show Mm because I I shot it down. But uh, let's kick it off with the Victoria Newland slash, you know, Kagan Noodleman. Uh, clip. It's funny. I don't even have the. I don't even have your clips loaded, but I already have this clip, I believe. So, yeah, it's gonna. It's spreading quickly. Right. And then, what would you have labeled it? Why is the U.S. funding biological facilities? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I thought you'd label it like Vicky or. Yeah, I I found something that basically. Goes straight from video to I don't oh. know. It saves saves me a step, so I don't cool. even have to label them. But good for you. I like. Hey, whatever saves time. I'm all about it. That's how we keep doing the podcast. Ukraine has a 
biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. Okay. Um, yeah. What do you think? So, the, so this relates back to the whole, like, Putin's a hero. He's really going in to shut down the weapons labs because they're about to release another COVID on us. And the, you know, what she actually says there is they're concerned about the Russians <laughs> taking over, which, um, you know, I think the the truth is uh, is very nearly in the in the middle. And I didn't make it as a clip because, you know, he's speaking Russian. Uh, but I went through the transcript of a very long Putin explanation of why they're in there, what they're doing. Great. And, uh, you know, shutting down the bioweapons labs, not on the list. Yeah, this, this, this is weird, right? Yeah. Vicky's out here. She looks, I don't know. I can't tell if she's lying or panicked or trying to hold something back. Um. But it, the whole tweet stream that was floated a week or two ago that you and I both kind of talked about off air, which was that Russia is is attacking the bio labs. That's where the, that's where all the missiles went. And then you and I joked about the the, the how do you find bio labs? Like there's a Google Maps filter or something. But yeah, yeah. but like it's kind of weird that that whole story got floated and then it was deleted from Twitter, which almost made it more infamous because the screenshot then went absolutely everywhere. It was all over the place. And then we have Vicky standing up saying, well, you know, there are some bio labs that they could get a hold of. So what, what, what are your thoughts? I'm thinking, I'm thinking this is kind of one more data point in there. The debunk that was out there was there aren't bioweapons labs. There's only, you know, bio, just research labs <laughs> <laughs> that the U.S. has, has funded. Because, of course, doing bioweapons research is illegal. So you say, no, we're doing vaccine research. We're just so, figuring out what, you know. So that's so similar. That was the debunk, which is kind of like the non, I don't know. This It's, it's like the... There's no such thing as chemtrails, but we are trying this thing called aerosol spraying. <laughs> I aerosol spraying, yes. Yeah, yeah. Spraying the exact same things you're complaining about us spraying in chemtrails, but we call it something different. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm I'm working on a Substack. It may Ooh. be out by the time this this podcast is out. But Ooh. talking about the layers of propaganda, and I think we are. Since 9-11, they have now had to had to factor in the alternative media more and more and more in the propaganda. Yeah. And I feel like we were given so much fake, obviously fake stuff on Ukraine on purpose. And, yeah. and that 
you know, so that we spend all our time saying, see, look, it's fake. See, look, that's fake too. That's fake too. That's fake too. That's fake too. And I don't know that they necessarily want people to come to the conclusion, oh, therefore all that stuff's fake. Therefore what Russia's saying is is legitimate and he, you know, Putin really had to do what he's doing and yada, yada. Or if it's just a, a matter of, um, let's just keep them busy. You know, we got the, we got the Pfizer stuff coming out. We got all this, you know, we want them to forget about the, what we just did to them for two years. Uh, forget about the, the vaccine, past infrastructure that they're still putting into place. Um, you know, forget about the economy, the fact shutting down the Keystone pipeline, uh, deliberately engineering the supply chain shortage. Let's just get them talking about Ukraine and arguing about whether stuff is fake or real. And we saw this with the Afghanistan, you know, mm. the <clears throat> inflatable plane and all the rest of it. And there's, I feel like it's a, a new, or maybe I just didn't notice it before, but it, it kind of a new layer of propaganda. And it's where deconstructing the mainstream narrative is less valuable than it used to be because uh, fewer people are paying attention to the mainstream narrative. So it's, kind of like if you're still only dealing with the subject that you're supposed to be dealing with, um, you know, there's, I feel like you're kind of limiting how much good you're doing, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a mess. It's an absolute yeah. mess. Um, did you see Greg Reese's piece on, uh, Infowars about Ukraine? No, but I like his stuff generally yeah i got a got a long clip for you so sit back and let's get i have i brought that and i brought the victoria newland uh, original phone call because i think these are the things that we can kind of look back at and try to discover what in the world is going on through all the propaganda we have now with the context of like what happened okay all right The first casualty of war is the truth. And if the American people knew the truth about U.S. interference in Ukraine, they might not be so eager to start World War III. During World War II, Western Ukraine sided with the Nazis. After the war, the CIA helped Ukrainian Nazis evade the Nuremberg trials and began operating with them within the Ukraine. After decades of CIA infiltration, the Ukrainian People's Movement emerged in 1989 and gave birth to extremist groups Svoboda, Trident, and Right Sector. Neo-Nazi groups pushing for the ethnic cleansing of Ukraine. Extremist groups cultivated by the CIA, supported by the U.S. State Department, and used by the IMF to bring Ukraine to heal. When Yinyakovic beat NATO-backed Yushchenko in the 2010 elections, his government was being pressured into signing an EU association agreement by the International Monetary Fund in their typical conquer-by-debt offer that would financially ruin the Ukraine and place them at the mercy of the World Bank. Yinyakovic declined their offer. And in today's corrupt world, you're not allowed to say no to the IMF. <laughs> 
funded by Western NGOs associated with George Soros and the CIA, a highly organized color revolution was immediately deployed against Yinyakovic. Organizations such as the National Endowment for Democracy trained activist journalists to utilize Facebook along with three brand new television networks created within weeks to recruit people for the protests. This Western-run media campaign was a huge success. The turnout was massive. The CIA has been orchestrating revolutions their entire career, and the first step to their simple formula is to convince people to take to the streets in peaceful protest. They then use agitators to goad the police into violence and state-run media to ignite the crowd with emotionally charged reports of sacred victims. On November 30th, 2013, the Ukrainian chief of staff, associated closely with the U.S. State Department, ordered the streets to be cleared of protesters for the erection of the annual Christmas tree. When the police arrived, they were met by a highly aggressive and well-organized faction of Ukraine's right sector, who provoked the police into a violent reaction against peaceful protesters, which is all the Western intelligence media reported on. Predictably, this resulted in more unrest and violence, which was further fueled by U.S. Senator John McCain's support of the protests. Leaked phone calls reveal that the U.S. State Department was orchestrating this coup d'etat from within the U.S. Embassy with support from Vice President Joe Biden. On February 20th, unidentified snipers firing from government buildings occupied by the protesters began firing into the crowd, killing people on all sides. Yunyakovic's home and offices were taken by armed mobs, and a new government was put into place with a neo-Nazi element that went on to accept the IMF's spurious loan offer and began murdering the Russian-speaking population of Ukraine in Donbass. As a result of this Western-created quagmire, 96% of the people in Crimea voted in favor of joining Russia. And while the nation celebrated, Western media reported that they were invaded by Russia. Their proof? A Russian military presence which has existed there since 1804. Supporting a criminal war against Russia does not make you a patriot. It makes you a useful idiot of the globalist banking cartel. The very same entities waging war on all of humanity with vaccine passports and experimental jabs. A righteous patriot would call out his government for war crimes. And through fraud and deceit, the United States government has been the world's biggest purveyor of war crimes for decades. All in the name of spreading McDonald's, genetically modified foods, and sexual perversions worldwide. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Good to remember. Yeah, and there's there's context context going back, you know, even further. Uh, Tom Woods had Scott Horton of Antiwar.com. Okay. Or he actually just had a speech that he gave recently. Uh, really, you know, the whole background. It was like an hour and a half long, but um, I just I do have one clip from it on the color revolutions, which we have talked about, and just. Uh, he kind of goes through quickly quite a few different ones and, you know, how they led up to the situation in Ukraine. 
And that is, yep, Scott Horton, Color Revolutions. Of what are called the color-coded revolutions, primarily against Russian-leaning states and their near abroad. These are essentially U.S. coup d'etats disguised as fake revolutions, backed by the CIA, National Endowment for Democracy, NED, and friendly, supposedly private NGOs like Otpor. This trend started in the Bill Clinton years with mixed success in Albania in 1996, Montenegro and Croatia in 1997, Slovakia and Armenia in 1998, and Serbia in 2000. Bush brought the successful Serbian template to Georgia with the Rose Revolution in 2003, the Orange Revolution in Ukraine in 2004, the failed Denim Revolution in Belarus in 2005, the short-lived Tulip Revolution in Tajikistan in 2005, the failed Cedar Revolution in Lebanon in 2005, and the disastrous Green Revolution in Iran during Obama's presidency in 2009. In the 2004 Orange Revolution in Ukraine, the U.S. helped to overthrow the elected president Viktor Yanukovych from the Russian-leaning Party of Regions in favor of the Western-leaning Yushchenko and his allies, sorry, I left off his first name there, I forgot it, and his allies, such as the so-called gas princess, Yulia Tymoshenko. The Bush government also continued further NATO expansion into Eastern Europe in violation of his father's promise, bringing seven more countries into the alliance. The former Warsaw Pact nations of Bulgaria, Romania, Slovakia, and Slovenia and the Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, all actual former Soviet so-called republics, the former two of which share a direct border with Russia. In 2008, Bush announced America's intention to include Ukraine and Georgia in the alliance, but thus far, Germany and France and circumstance have refused to allow it. NATO membership is a war guarantee. The people in charge act as though it's just an invite to a fancy cocktail party for power international government socialites. Instead, it is a mutual defense pact. President Bush Sr.'s right-hand man and former National Security Advisor Brent Scowcroft opposed NATO expansion in the 1990s. He later explained one major reason for it was that the Americans wanted to see Eastern Europe integrated with the West. Though he believed the European Union was the best vehicle for this, he said the French and the Germans were more reluctant. So the U.S. instead, in part, chose to expand the NATO military alliance just to hurry along the process of Eastern nations' integration into the European common market. I, th I thought that was interesting. Like, oh, well, you know, they don't want to put them in the EU, so let's just let's just put them in NATO. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we had talked about how there was a, you know, there was a promise that, no, we're not going to expand East. We're not going to expand NATO East. You know, we're just leave some, leave all those countries. It's neutral countries in between. And um, I think someone, I believe it was in Britain, um, either leaked or it was declassified at a you know convenient moment here a week or two ago, uh, the minutes of the meeting where that happened, and yes, that promise was made. Yes. So uh, every time you hear, 
Oh no! It, what? No. Well, it, it, where is it? Where is it written? Where is well, it written? Well, it's not. It's yeah. not in the contract. Yeah. Where is it written? Yeah, we're that guy now. We this country, yeah. the people who speak for us, are are people cutting deals. George H. W. Bush and and crew. Uh, we're that guy now. Who, if it's not written down, well, where is it written down? You know, we yeah. we agreed on that, but. Uh, I think it's important to listen to the Newland phone call in its entirety to really okay. understand where we came from and how we ended up in this whole situation and just how badly we interfered in everything that is happening in Ukraine right now uh, seven years ago before this all started to boil over, before this blubbering buffoon of a lady stood up and said, oh, there's biological weapons there. <laughs> So there's so this is uh, 2014, right? I I believe the Newland call is from 2014. Yeah, Newland Pyatt leaked phone conversation. I'll double okay. check that date, but let's uh, let's get right into it. This is her famous "f the EU." I'm not going to go back and edit it. If you uh, don't want kids to hear that word, then it's coming. But it's right at the end. So all right, here we go. A piece is obviously. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think what in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Boak and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I, kind I, of, I, I, just, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level Working for Yatsenyuk, it's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I think that's you know? I think that's right. Okay, good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him? Is the next step? My understanding from that call, but you tell me, was that the big three were going into their own meeting, and that Yats was going to offer in that context a three-way, you know, the three plus one conversation or three plus two with you. Is that not how you understood it? No, I think, I mean, that's what he proposed, but I think just knowing the dynamic that's been with them where um, Klitschko has been the top dog, he's going to take a while to show up for whatever meeting they've got. He's probably talking to his guys at this point. So I think you reaching out directly to him helps with the personality management among the three, and it, and it gives you also a chance to move fast on all this stuff and put us behind it, behind it before they all sit down and he, um, he explains why he doesn't like it. Okay, good. I'm happy. Why don't you reach out to him and see if he wants to talk before or after? Okay, will do. Thanks. Okay, I've now written... Oh, one more wrinkle for you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, 
can't remember if I told you this or if I only told Washington this, that when I talked to Jeff Feltman this morning, he had a new name for the UN guy, Robert Seri. Did I write yeah. you that this morning? Yeah, okay. I saw that. He, he's now gotten both Seri and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Seri could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it and, you know, the EU. No, exactly. And I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does, if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. And again, the fact that this is out there right now, I'm still trying to figure out in my mind why Yanukovych that. But in the meantime, there's a party of regions faction meeting going on right now, and I'm sure there's a lively argument going on in that group at this point. But uh, anyway, we could uh, we could land jelly side up on this one if we move fast. So let me work on let me work on Klitschko, and if you can just keep, I, I think we want to try to get somebody with an international personality to um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych, but we probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. So on that piece, Jeff, uh, when I wrote the note, uh, Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. Okay, great. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Do you need Biden? Oh, yeah, for an attaboy. <laughs> Give Biden the attaboy. That's all we got to <laughs> bring him in for the attaboy. Bring him in. That's all. Do you think he can handle that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So at this point, let's just catch everybody up who hasn't maybe even heard that call before. This is the assistant. She at the time, Victoria Newland, is the assistant secretary of state for Eurasian and European affairs. Uh, she was nominated to that position by Barack Obama. She, of course, filled in for Philip K. Gordon. But anyway, she stayed on that position through the Trump presidency until 2017, not through the Trump, but into the Trump presidency uh, until 2017, at which point she falls off the map. And then magically on May 3rd, 2021, Joe Biden brings her back into the uh, uh, position. Now she's under secretary of state for political affairs. And she is right back in here as we go right back into this same big mess. And mm. that whole phone call, it just sounds to me like we're trying to install a new government and glue it all together with the right people. Yeah, and the the FDEU part is not that, you know, it's just like, well, there's some people in the EU that aren't on board with this, so we don't need them. You know, it's basically like the the context of that clip, which then that became the only thing that got talked about. Which it, is well, it, well, it's funny too because in that clip they said uh, I don't remember if it was her or him, and of course she is talking to. Let me find this guy's name. I'm glad you had the end on there with Biden, though. I'd kind of forgotten <laughs> that part. That's funny. <laughs> That's Jeff Jeffrey Pyatt. So anyway, but on January 28th, let's see. Duh, 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 on February 4th, 2014, a recording of a phone call of Newland and U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Jeffrey Pyatt. Uh, that happened on January 28th, 2014, was published to YouTube. The State Department and White House suggested that the Assistant Deputy, uh, Deputy Prime Minister of Russia, blah, 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 blah. It's funny because in the middle of that conversation, they both are like, well, yeah, we don't want Russia to, you know, because if, if things start to get up in the air and it starts to gain altitude, like as I, I guess if that's so people can see it, 
then we know that Russia is going to be working behind the scenes. And I just like, I burst out laughing just now. Cause I was like, yeah, like recording this entire phone call and then leaking it out <laughs> on the internet, like yeah. that kind of meddling in behind the scenes. So, um, this is what we do. I don't know if you know this, Andrew, I, I know you know this cause we've been talking about this for 12 years or whatever we're at now. Yeah. Uh, this is what we do. This is our thing. And we're right at home. You and me, this is because we are never on Putin's side. We are never on, uh, 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 the U.S.'s side. We're never on Gaddafi's side. We're n- I-, I was I was mildly on the Syrian guy's side for a minute there. I was like, hey, let's not <laughs> let's not kill this guy. Um, but we just we're anti-war, and this is what we do. They come in, they over we overthrow people and put in uh, people that uh, governments that are uh, sympathetic to us and that we can run. You know. Via our Epstein well, slash blackmailed uh, po- politicians of choice, or uh, you know, I was just looking through our archives and looking up old stories. I found a good one. Uh, this is from Fox News. What it's is not it? even governments that are sympathetic to our interests. It's what can we do to rubbleize and wreak havoc over there, yeah. and to make sure that Russia. Never forms an alliance with China. And this is, you know, the big new Brzezinski's big thing. This has been our, our being the U.S.'s foreign policy forever. And even Joe Biden knows the, knows the strategy. You, I'm, I may have found a clip that you haven't heard yet. I, I doubt it, but I was just digging, uh, digging this through, is the, through. oh, go ahead. It's just a short clip, okay. but it's Joe Biden talking. It's the clip is deceptively named. It's Carl Zah when Russia got it. Uh, but it's Joe Biden, a, a much younger, more coherent Joe Biden, but still saying Joe Biden things. Our conversation was a gone off, which was repeated with Levitt. They talked about they don't want this NATO expansion. They know it's not in their security interest and on and on. And said, well, and if you do that, we may have to look to China. And I couldn't help using the colloquial expression from my state by saying to Zaganov, lots of luck in your senior year. Um, you know, uh, good luck. And if, not, if that doesn't work, try Iran. Um, and uh, I'm serious. I said that to them. And these were very, and, and, and they know, I knew, they knew, everybody knows that that is not an option. And everybody knows, every one of those leaders acknowledges and needs, and they resent it. But they need, they need to look west. And the question is, whether well, this is designed to completely shut them out, but not in... Ter- 1997. <laughs> huh. Wow. Talking about, oh, I know they don't like the NATO expansion, but what are you going to do? Make a deal with China? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I love the... Uh, 25 years later. The, yeah, na- narrator, they, they did. <laughs> I, the, the Joe Biden lie, like, he has the worst lies, like... Why would you lie about this amazing zinger that no one from Russia would understand? Like, he, like best of luck in your senior year. <laughs> so we we <laughs> we, like, de- they, we they de- don't de- understand that. How do you understand that? If been, English is your second language. Well, it I, makes hey, no sense. English is my only language. I barely understand. Yeah, that's it's still like a East Coast elite joke, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, uh, he strikes me as, well, I mean, 
even in so like current Joe Biden is like insane, right? This is even like even previous Joe Biden, he strikes me as the odd duck in almost every room. Like yeah. when, we, when you start talking about Victoria Newland or you know some of these you know uh, Klaus Schwab, I don't even know about Klaus, but like they, all these people are, are intelligent. Kissinger, Brzezinski, you know. They, but when you put Joe Biden in the room, it just it, I don't know. He just I don't know. He I don't know how a guy like that gets that well, far. Well, politicians in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah I not, guess that's not very bright. Yeah, I guess that's true, but. I don't know if that's true. No, no, no. I think many politicians are bright, but I think this one in particular has, uh, how do I put this? He has way overachieved with what he was given. <laughs> he is, he is a, a given, he has way gotten f- so much further than he has the. Well, you, you don't make it far in politics on merit, though. Yeah. Yeah. You got to. You gotta, you know, you gotta bury some bodies in the it, Finger Lakes. Yeah, you you make <laughs> you make the way clean. I wonder why make, you make the way clear for credit card companies in Delaware, and then you know you're, you wonder make why. sure the banks get to do whatever they want in your home state, and you're good to go. And then you get then. I wonder why Hunter has a tattoo of the Finger Lakes on his back. I was just looking through our archives on all the stories that you and I used to talk about, and I came up with just a treasure trove just as we were going through this. Here's a story from Fox News, December 20th, 2015. Biden's son discharged from the Navy after reportedly testing positive for cocaine. <laughs> we covered that. Um, and then there, the farce is complete. Joe Biden's son joins the board of the largest Ukraine gas producer. Another, another uh, uh, article that we covered. And then April 1st, 2014, Ukraine agrees to host NATO war games. So shortly after, so that's what, two months after the F the EU comment, we're hosting NATO war games. In Ukraine. In Ukraine. So this, can you believe that Putin just unprovoked, unprovoked? Unprovoked? Yeah, just just out of nowhere. He's insane, man. He just woke up. I I start to worry. I love how they're they're worrying about his mental. I'm I'm starting to worry about his mental, his mental (laughs) abilities. I think he might've, he might've just gone nuts. It's like, Oh, cool. So it it turns out, uh, Donald Trump can be totally nuts. Uh, Putin also totally nuts, but then Joe Biden in office, we don't ever need to check his ability. No cognitive ability. We're we're in, we're good. Everything looks good to me. He can say, uh, the three congressmen you got here, two of them look like they used to, you know, could have played some ball, or and one of them looks like he could bomb you. <laughs> I I saw that clip right before we started, but I I didn't clip it. But this and the, and the propaganda runs so deep; it's not even on the just our alternative media. I mean, it's been it's been everywhere. So. Here's an article from the New York Times. This is from our archives. You and I have talked about these stories. Battered Ukrainian city of Maripol braces for worst as rebels close in. This is from February 10th, 2015. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but let's see. Well, oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Get off that picture. Okay. Well, rebel uh, rocket attacks on Tuesday killed at least seven civilians in Karamatorsk. About 30 miles uh, north of the, of the front lines, the leaders of France, Germany, and Russia and Ukraine were scrambling to, a, to submit a meeting into the Belarusian capital of Minsk on Wednesday to try and halt the fighting and establish a new demilitarized zone. And it shows all these kids, and it talks about how these, these Ukrainian fighters are heroes. And then 
another story that we talked about that was published. Let's see, that was published February 10th. This start this this is from Consortium News, and this is published February 11th. And the title of this one is New York Times Whites Out Ukraine Brown Shirts. The New York Times has been biased on the Ukraine crisis, endlessly promoting State Department propaganda when it published the false Iraqi WMD stories the last decade. Case in point, the Maripol hailing of the Azov Battalion without noting <laughs> that it's a neo-Nazi fighters. So that whole story, they don't talk about who they're covering. And of course, it's the Azov Battalion. On Wednesday, the Times published a long article that presented the situation in the port city of Maripol if the uh, as if the advance of the ethnic Russian rebels amounted to the arrival of barbarians at the gate, while the inhabitants were bravely being defended by the forces of civilization. But then the article cites the key role in that defense played by the Azov Battalion. Though the uh, article provides much color and detail and quotes on an Azov leader prominently, it leaves out one salient and well-known fact about the Azov Battalion, and that it's composed of neo-Nazis, who display the swastika SS markings and other Nazi symbols. But this is an inconvenient truth that neo-Nazis have been the center of Kiev's self-defense force from last February's coup to the present would-be presumable disruptable desire propaganda message so the new york times just ignores it and refers to the azov battalion as a volunteer unit (laughs) this i mean we're getting just we there's no way for us to know what's going on over there it's just and i thought it was interesting too i was looking at uh good old vicky newland's uh wikipedia page she was under i haven't heard this name in a while strobe talbot from 1993 mm. to 1996, Newland was chief of staff for Deputy, uh, Deputy Secretary of State Strobe Talbot. This, oh yeah, she was she was involved. I want to say she was involved in Iraq, but I guess it would make more sense if she was involved in the like Bosnian stuff with no. Hold Clinton. on, United States ambassador to NATO from June twentieth, two thousand five to, 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 to yeah. That's the furthest that Wikipedia goes back. Ukraine leak private conversation. Robert Kagan. Well, is yeah, a, Robert Robert Kagan is like King Neocon. So I guess it's just like if it's a Republican administration, he's a part of it, and if it's a Democrat administration, she's a part of it. But they're married, so to, totally. You know, Republicans and Democrats, totally different, guys. <laughs> totally yeah. different on foreign policy. Oh, wait. Uh, co-founder of the Neoconservative Project for a New American Century. He's a senior fellow at the Brookings Institute and the member of the Council on Foreign Relations. He's been a foreign policy advisor to U.S. Republican presidents as well as Democratic administrations via the Foreign Affairs Policy Board. Uh, he writes a monthly column on affairs for the Washington Post and during the 2016 presidential campaign. Foreign Affairs Policy Board, of course, for some reason, Pompeo, current head of the foreign, wow, that's wild. Oh, oh, Pompeo, yeah, Pompeo's been bad news forever. Personal life and education, Robert, what are, hold on, I got, you got one guess, okay, I'm not even going to give you two. Where did Kagan attend college? Yale. Nailed it. <laughs> Robert Kagan was born in Athens, Greece. His father, historian Donald Kagan, a sterling professor of classics and a history emeritus at Yale University and a specialist in, oh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's just his father. No, his education is Yale. And then he went to Harvard and then America. Yeah, you don't get into Yale if your father didn't go to Yale. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. 
Wow. Not if you're dumb. I mean, like if you're <laughs> super smart and not white, you might you might get in. But if you're if you're white and you're you know average intelligence, your your parents had to have been the, gone there. Hey, not not creepy or weird at all. But you know the uh, if skull and bones. Uh, 322. 322. We're in 322. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're in 322. And then do you, do you know what they call each other? Brothers under the skin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's totally the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's inverted, man. Everything's inverted. So Ukraine and the new Al Qaeda. From Whitney Webb. I'm not going to attempt to read through it here. Oh, no. Uh, but Can't be done. You know, Can't be done. <laughs> Whitney Webb, uh, I enjoy her stuff, but not the easiest to read real quick on a podcast. So, <laughs> uh, but would, would you say very, that very it, interesting stuff? And one thing that she points out that I think is, in, is important. Is that you? You have all this evidence of the Ukrainian, uh, you know, white supremacist neo-Nazi stuff, right? I mean, that's like everywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it's being forgotten right now, but don't worry, they'll bring it back up. Right? <laughs> you know, all the it, all the pastors praying for Ukraine today will be known to support neo-Nazi groups uh, about two weeks from now. You think so? Yeah, I think that's that's the agenda. And then I, I saw this story. Uh, Russian. Uh, let me pull it up here. And na- I, Nazis, man. Like, as I was looking through all this old Nazi stuff, uh, or the, excuse me, <laughs> Freudian slip. As I was listening, looking through all this Ukraine stuff and then was looking at Nazis, the Nazis play a very interesting role in the American psyche. And it's like <laughs> the amount of mental gymnastics. Yeah, Yes, of course. Yes. No, no, I don't mean just NASA and paperclip and all that. I don't mean actually. I mean just the word. And and the amount of mental gymnastics that has to be take that has to take place. It's like, look, Donald Trump is a Nazi. Now, in order for you to eat at this restaurant, you have to show your vaccine passport. Yes. And it's like, listen. But the offensive thing is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Andrew bringing up the comparison. I'm clearly an anti-fascist. Okay? Now. I think it's good that all the businesses are closed except for Amazon because it keeps people safe. It's like, well, oh, really? That's interesting. But then it's like, so they're Nazis. Donald Trump is a Nazi. You guys are Nazis. It's like, okay, cool. Okay, so I, I, I guess I'm a Nazi because I don't agree with you. That doesn't make any sense. But okay, we'll, we'll roll with that. And it's like, but what? Like, who do you support in Ukraine? Oh, I support Nazis. And it's like, and it just, uh, I don't know. It just. Even like even in the United States, it's like there's white supremacists and Nazis everywhere. It's like there really isn't. I mean, I'm sure there's some, oh, but they're not, da- they're darn not sure yet, isn't. Tim, not uh. yet. But rem- so the Biden administration has told us over and over again, Department of Homeland Defense memos that the number one terror threat is what? Uh, moms coming to uh, home. To uh, white, white supremacist groups. Okay. Right? So we've got the Ukrainian thing. And right now we're all on the side of Ukraine, which will turn into 
I'd assume they just want it to turn into war, which I, I'm sure they would love that. But at the very least, it'll turn into all oh, those poor Ukrainians. They put up a fight, but now they need a place to live. Like, let's take in some Ukrainian refugees. Oh, no. And so then you're going to import some, you know, some bad ones along with the good ones. And all of a sudden you've got yourself a, a white supremacist terror group. That you you brought in, you know, under the cover of oh, refugees from a war, and um, let me throw this story in along the same thing, same uh, theme. I mean, this comes from a, and I'm not reading it because I think it's accurate in any way, just for the <clears throat> just for the propaganda value of it. Uh, Mirror.co.uk. Russian warlord who led neo-Nazi Sparta battalion shot dead as Ukrainians hold town. Vladimir Zoga, who led the Sparta battalion, which which among the fiercest to fight with the Russian army and was forced was formed in the breakaway Ukrainian territory of Donetsk during the 2014 conflict. A notorious Russian warlord who led a group of neo-Nazi a neo-Nazi group of soldiers was killed in battle over the weekend. Vladimir Zoga, who led the Sparta Battalion, was killed while fighting in the Ukrainian town of Volnokava on Saturday. The group, which has been accused of committing war crimes, is among the fiercest to fight with the Russian army and was formed in the breakaway Ukrainian ter- territory of Donetsk during the 2014 conflict. Denis Pushlin, who leads Donetsk, confirmed the kill on his Telegram channel. Today, the commander of the Sparta Separate Reconnaissance Battalion uh, guards... Colonel Vladimir Zoga died like a hero in Volnokava, or Volnovaka. Sorry for the pronunciation. It was announced last night that Vladimir Putin signed an executive order awarding Zoga the title of of Hero of the Russian Federation. uh, Pushalin said the commander was killed during an operation to evacuate civilians from Volnokava, a ceasefire was brokered for citizens to flee Volnovaka on Saturday morning, only for the Russians to violate it with shell attacks as people attempted to leave. Russian troops were filmed entering the town over the weekend, though it is, although it is understood Ukrainian forces still hold the center. Before his death, Zoga had been one of the most widely known and feared fighters in the Russian army. Okay, he joined the Russian-backed rebels in 2014, the same year in which the Sparta Battalion, a neo-Nazi militia that is the support of Moscow, was created. All right, so the Ukrainians are Nazis, neo-Nazis, okay? And now the Russians, also (laughs) neo-Nazis. So the level of propaganda that I'm saying we're dealing with is either side you choose, you have now supported a cause affiliated with neo-Nazi groups, Okay, so when you get hauled into jail for the next January sixth event or or what have you, uh, more th- on that this will minute. this will be the the news headline: known supporter of white supremacists and neo Nazi groups. This is you know I I think they'll they'll both bring actual people over from the conflict you know not necessarily right away but. I think they plan to to make this a mess that goes on for years and years. And 
And then they'll also, you know, use the propaganda of today against people in the future. So that's my that's my take on it. That's because the when the when the Biden administration put out the whole thing about uh, number one threat is you know white supremacist terrorists and what have you. The group that they cited uh, was a Russian group. So this is, it's not, you know, there's no, they haven't, that Russian group hasn't killed anyone in the U.S. It doesn't even really operate in the U.S., although they're, they're claiming they do. But they will build the, you know, they'll build the enemy. Hmm. It's almost like, that that part of the world, like we don't really know what's going on there <laughs> and we shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? Like maybe we should just let them sort it out. Yeah. In- interesting that everyone you hear talk who's like really studied it uh, doesn't just come away with the, yeah, let's go to war. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. End of story. Okay. I had an interesting data point as well. I have an article from the World Economic Forum. This is from Russian. No, just real quick. Uh, Russian Imperial Movement is the name of the terrorist organization. Okay. Just FYI. Russia joins the center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution Network. The Russian Federation (laughs) and the World Economic Forum announced the center of the Fourth Industrial Revolution in Russia. So in Moscow, Russia will take a leading role in shaping the trajectory of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Today, leaders from the Russian Federation and the World Economic Forum announced the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution Russia. Part of the forum's global network, the new center will bring together leading businesses, policymakers, and members of civil society to co-design and pilot innovative approaches to technology and governance. Over the past five years, the World Economic Forum Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution Network has expanded to 15 countries. Project project teams worked across public and private sectors to build new policies for drones, commercial aircraft to fly in the same airspace, to uh, government procurement of artificial intelligence, and accelerated the responsible blockchain deployment across the global supply chain. Man, you guys are killing it with the global supply chain. The Center for the... Oh, It wasn't to make it better. The Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution, Russia, will be hosted by Anno Digital Economy in Moscow. It will work across this global network to maximize the benefits of technologies such as artificial intelligence, the Internet of Things, while minimizing its risks. The president of the World Economic Forum, Borj Brenda, who is this man? I need to know who this man, and Deputy Prime Minister of Russia, Dmitry Chernyshenko, on behalf of the Russian government, signed the agreement today in Moscow. Rapid technological discovery is disrupting our economic and societal, excuse me, and social systems. Coordinated and impact-oriented action is needed to manage this change, says Borge Brenda, president of the World Economic Forum. The new center for the fourth industrial revolution in Moscow will be an important part of the forum's global network. It is important we work across borders. <laughs> we are. To shape a future that leaves no one behind. I'd like to be left behind Ladies and gentlemen, uh, today Russia is like building. To be left alone. <laughs> you know, wait till the people who just want to be left alone get involved. Today, Russia is building digital economy actively, and you know, look at listen to this. In light of uh, this week's uh, complete sanctions, Visa, Mastercard pulling out, 
uh, Apple Pay and Google Pay not working in the in the uh, metro. Today, Russia is building digital economy actively in industrial and social spheres, as well as in the public administration, said Dmitry Chernyshenko, uh, Deputy Prime Minister of the Russian Federation. We are now witnessing an unprecedented breakthrough in development. The main purpose for the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution Moscow is to grow awareness of Russia's role as part of the global expert community. This is an opportunity to share experience and expertise gained by the World Economic Forum and its partners around the world. Cherashenko continued, there are plans of launching pilot projects on legal protocols, AI, and IoT, inter- oh, Internet, of, Internet things. of Things, yeah, Internet of Things together with the forum at the center. The first projects will be launched before the end of the, this year and will include self-driving cars, drones, medicine, and data processing. Russia has been actively implementing AI technologies for the past several years, and today there are more than 800 such solutions Some of them are already visible in the international markets. We are glad to join the global network of centers for the fourth industrial revolution, said General Director ANO of the digital economy, Avengi Kovanar. Our organizations bring together leading Russian technology companies, and we will work together with leaders from these companies and across the network to explore and implement the best international AI, Internet of Things, and data policy solutions. We will bring Russia's advancements into these areas to the global network and help shape global progress into the dystopian of 1984 plus Brave New World plus Fahrenheit 451 plus, uh, what else? I'm, I know I'm missing That's something. That's not what it says. Okay, it says progress into the fourth industrial revolution. Hmm. The fourth industrial revolution and Putin all on board with the vaccines and the COVIDs. This was posted to our conspiracy, something that was referenced. It's the Reddit. So, you know, Reddit owned by China. This could be Chinese propaganda. But, uh, you know, I'm going to bring it to you. This is what we're dealing with here. Um, The Russian invasion of Ukraine is a staged war, and it is the next step of the Great Reset. Russia is in on it. Ukraine is in on it. The whole world elite platform is essentially in on this. Well, just... This is an opinion from Reddit, but yeah, yeah. What is it? Ukraine's no, I'm I'm on board with this as far as like Putin and Zelensky being in on it. Uh, the Ukrainian people and the Russian people, not so much in. in let me on it. let me rewrite this. This is Reddit. We can tear it apart. We can say it's trash. It doesn't matter. We can do that with anything. That's what we'll do. But let's just I'll re I'll re I'll reread this first part. Russia's government is in on it. Ukraine's government is in on it. And the whole world elite platform is essentially in on this. Does that sound better? At the expense of bloodshed, they can manipulate the psychology and opinions of everyone on the globe. The media is force-feeding pro-Ukraine, pro-New World Order propaganda down everyone's throat. They're so blinded by initial irrational emotional reactions, they can't foresee the actual implications of this unification under a globalist scale. All wars are about money and power. Transactions are being made every second, and people are getting rich as we speak. Donations to Ukraine will be used to uh, proliferate war crimes and to line the pockets of the elite. Countries that aren't a part of NATO will be incentivized to join through fear and from the stage of war. Once they do, they will be taxed into oblivion, and once again, that money will be used to fuel this agenda and line the pockets of the elite. Once the good guys save us from all the bad guys, they will require more trust from us. They will require more control. A a one-world government will be instituted as well as a one-world bank. Your actions will be monitored through social credit systems to make sure you aren't a bad guy so that they can keep protecting you. This is all theater, and before our eyes, we see people blindly choosing sides and believing everything they see or hear. 
People are sensitive to shock value and it makes them heard into desired direction that the propaganda tells them to head towards. In this case, this stage war and propaganda is leading us into a full-on acceptance of the new world order and brainwashed individuals will stand by it tooth and nail and it is a welcomed control. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> and to avoid any misunderstandings, when I say stage war, I don't mean fake. I mean, there's a distinction to be made here. Obviously, people are dying and the fighting is real. What I meant is that the conditions for the war are set up intentionally by all parties, and it is mostly out of the civilian's control. Uh, number two, I am not right-wing, nor am I attempting to spread QAnon. This is not related. I am not Russian apologist or shill. I condemn the war in every uh, manner. Number three, I'm not attempting to move the goalposts or make specific timeline uh, predictions. The Great Reset began in 2020. I suggest you look into the Great Reset before you uh, come against me. Number four, this is a conspiracy theory. I don't claim any of it as fact. I am posting in our conspiracy on Reddit. This post is for speculation and to think about what's happening in different ways. Hope it sparked a few conversations. Well, it's not the worst thing you've ever brought from Reddit. Is it? Is it is it bad? I don't think it was bad. What was bad about that? No, it was it was fine. It yeah. It, next to the um making making everyone the elections designed like you're supposed to know it was rigged and it's to make everyone mad. I like that take. This is a a notch below, but I <laughs> I can buy it. Hey, I still haven't seen the debunkumentary of that of uh that so that was a 4chan uh, thread that the election was supposed to be deliberately rigged so that everybody would get mad. Do you think that was wrong? No, I, I said that was like my favorite, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, forum post that you brought. Yeah. Sorry. Always bringing the forum posts. I'm always reading on the forums. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe that's, that's part of the problem. I don't know. Well, you know, that's sources. Uh, transparency links to who needs it anonymous forum posts yeah yeah, i mean there's yeah i like i like i like the sources and and links and trying to uh to figure stuff out and and actually citing it and I, i try to i mean have you ever actually looked at any of these i post every single link to every single thing we talk about on the show notes man Everything. Oh no, no, I, I know we, that. I do my best on that. I do bring the anonymous forum posts sometimes, but maybe that's my own fault. Maybe I am just uh, playing into the dead internet and talking to all these uh, people that don't exist. <laughs> well, you did mention. Well, we we kind of mentioned the election thing. I don't really have. I don't have a lot of stuff on the election. Have you followed the Wisconsin thing at all? I've 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 followed it enough to know that Zuckerberg is pretty much guilty of bribery laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talked a little bit on No Agenda about that today, and Tucker talked about it. Um, oh, I didn't very, listen to No Agenda today, but I, I actually already knew that. the the very list The very last clip in there, it's the Panda Tri- Tribune clip. It's a Tucker Carlson snippet. So you learn a lot about what the people in charge care about by what they won't allow you to say. And at the very top of the list of things you're not allowed to say can literally get you silenced and censored for saying is that there was voter fraud in the last election. But the fact is there was. And the deeper you dig, the more of it you find. 
The Wisconsin Office of Special Counsel has just released its second report on the subject, and it's pretty unbelievable. The report found, among other things, quote, 100% voting rates in many nursing homes in Brown, Dane, Kenosha, Milwaukee, and Racine counties. Michael Gableman is the special counsel to the Wisconsin Assembly. He's also a former Wisconsin Supreme Court justice. Mr. Gableman, thanks so much for coming on. Now, I, I, the report is, in my opinion, pretty shocking, but just give us, give us the overview of what you found. We had a wave of massive election bribery in which government officials in the five Zuckerberg-sponsored cities participated, as well as what you related uh, when you introduced your audience to me, which is the government-sponsored elder abuse, all to ring out votes from people who frankly were victimized by the very people at the Wisconsin Elections Commission who are supposed to keep our voters safe. I'm a little confused. So Mark Zuckerberg is a tech billionaire. He's not a government official. He has no legal or constitutional right to control our elections. But it sounds like he had a great deal of control over the elections in Wisconsin. He had a great deal. He adopted a plan by a guy who became his employee named David Pluff, who wrote the unsubtly titled book, A Citizen's Guide to Beating Donald Trump. And so Mark Zuckerberg has $330 million that he's going to spend to defeat Donald Trump. And he puts David Pluff's lessons in the, of the 2016 campaign into operation in Wisconsin. And now we are seeing a complete cover-up and obstruction by the very so-called public servants who ran this election, who should have been in charge, but who delegated it out to Mark Zuckerberg's agents and virtually employees. We had one guy, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, a lawyer from Brooklyn, New York, who was running the election site on election day. Might have been a bad edit there. Well, it was a Twitter limitation, I guess, would be the, <laughs> it, the bad it. edit. Yeah. Got it. Well, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I, don't, I mean... Well, he, as someone who visited Milwaukee this summer, by the way, okay, I was in in July, went to Milwaukee, watched the Bucks win the championship, uh, surrounded by thousands of people, surrounded by thousands of people, didn't get COVID, which is amazing. Nobody was wearing a mask. And that was another part. Nobody wore a mask. We later mm -hmm. went to the zoo. People were masked up at the zoo, but nobody at the game mm -hmm. wearing a mask. I, I didn't. I, I always get kind of a liberal type vibe from Milwaukee. I wasn't getting that at all this summer. Just wasn't really seeing evidence of it. Uh, Racine is really weird that they would, would that they supposedly go all in for Biden? Because that is a small little town, home of the best Kringle in the country at this point. Big what fan. is a Kringle? Bro, you don't know what a Kringle is? I'm, no. I am disappoint. Disappoint. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean it's a population. It yeah, it's food. Oh, I should know. It's man. a yeah, it's a German. Uh, it's a it's like a, a German flaky uh, breakfast thing. It's really good. It's a pastry, mm. but it's like it comes in like a big. Uh, it's like a big cake. Look, I don't know. I'm way off topic. I'm, I'm uh, anyway. 195,000 people. It's a country. I mean, that's and it seems like a small little country town. I mean, it is anyway. It just. And they went all in for Biden. Supposedly, in yeah. And this is one of the Zuckerberg towns. Yeah, this is a mm, two. Interesting. I, I apologize. It's a population of two hundred thousand, and it's right on the uh, harbor. But still, 
It just hundred uh, percent voter turnout is just not realistic. I mean, it's but not a natural thing. Any group of people. They're in nursing homes, man. I mean, if one thing we learned about the 2020 election, there was like here, sign your was, name. There was like a you, was you a, voted. Yeah, there was some counties in the 2020 election where 100 percent of people voted. So I don't think it's that crazy for a nursing home to do it. Yeah, I mean, if they'll <laughs> if they'll intentionally if if they will intentionally kill people off in nursing homes, what's forcing them to vote, right? Or or, or turning in their ballot for them? Or did you think they this even got it? Gone, we'll just. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, do you think they even got the like? Remember, there was like drug dealers getting arrested in like the cop. Like, they pulled the guy gets pulled over. He's got like all kinds of methamphetamine and like a couple thousand ballots in his in his car. Like, yeah, what in the world? <laughs> yeah, what's going on? And, and remember, there was all those testimonies. Like, somebody would have. Sp- that's my favorite. If it was a conspiracy, somebody would have spoke out. It's like, oh, really? Like the people who like this guy or that guy or that guy or <laughs> this lady or that lady. What? <laughs> like those people? Kind of like the if nine eleven was an inside job, there would be whistleblowers. Oh, like all the whistleblowers. I don't. Know. <laughs> okay, so but he, here's my my beef. There was a. Should we should we should we do some donations and then come back? Or should we end with your well, beef no, and then is, try to cleanse palates? I don't want I don't want to talk about elections after okay. after this. So this okay. is my last election statement. So there's okay. a a Cernovich tweet recently, and but there's been variations of this, right? Like 81 million voters voted for this guy. Like this seven dollar gas year fall, whatever. It's like well. No, they didn't. <laughs> you know, it's like, you, you, and it's some of the same people who are saying there was election fraud, and then also like blaming Biden voters. But it's, but it's, it's like if it's, it's a fraudulent election, don't blame the voters, right? But it's you saying know? it tongue in cheek. It's just like, yeah. it's like it's like speaking to the yeah. Ether. There, there is like the eighty-one million votes meme, which is yeah. kind of the opposite meaning. Like, obviously, he didn't get eighty-one million votes, but yeah, it's. But uh, this will all be solved. How, Tim? Well, the midterms are coming voting. Up. Yeah, v- midterms yeah. are coming up. So I'm pretty excited because I think in the midterms <laughs> we can we can vote in some Republicans. Yeah, let's then, vote in that anti-war party. Uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. one is that again? Oh. That's uh, yeah. uh, uh, oh, is Im is Inhofe still here? Oh yeah, yeah. Because this is yeah. U.S. Senator from the state of Oklahoma. I saw this, like, literally, I've, I knew who he was because he's been the senator here forever. He's always big on the military-industrial complex. Yeah, he's and, not that great, and Lankford's probably worse, right? No, so I don't I don't know, but Inhofe. So I know who he was, and I'm, like, walking through the, how do I even put this? Pa- pass, so it's called a P-way. It's called a passageway. Essentially, it's just a hallway. On the aircraft carrier in the Navy, middle of the Persian Gulf. Like, just, you know, it's like late at night. I'm tired as can be. I just want to get to my rack, which is a bed. There's a bunch of words in there that you learn. That you learn. Anyway, so trying to get to my bed. And I'm like, I've, I've seen movies, Tim. It's okay. It, okay. <laughs> I'm like, like I almost I almost run this guy over. Imhoff, like, pops out. I'm like, dude, what are you? Like, I, I, like we make eye contact and he moves out of the way. I'm like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, I'm, I'm walk away like, what is he doing here? <laughs> So weird. It was yeah. on a 
a Navy ship in the middle of the ocean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The senator from Oklahoma. Yes. That is strange. <laughs> That's what I thought. And I've always, ever since then, I've always kept an eye on like, yep. Are we for this war? Are we for this war? Oh, yeah, for this war. Yeah, I'm not going to play it because I scooped by no agenda again, but I I did bring the McCain and Lindsey Graham in Ukraine clip. Oh, if we can play it. It's 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 not an exciting, this is just the, like, 2017 is going to be the year of offense clip. Oh, we. I mean, this is our beat. We didn't. I don't even know if we were listening to No Agenda back way back when we were playing these clips of uh, McCain and Lindsey Graham. Like, let's go to war. Yeah, let's go to it, war together. Yeah, I'm we, a Democrat. You're a Republican, but we want war. We we have not been wrong on vaccines or the evilness of John McCain and Lindsey Graham. <laughs> it's consistently correct. And our uh, opinion on war. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely consistently correct. But I think it's time to thank somebody. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, I mean, the show's almost over, right? I mean, it can't, be, can't go on much longer. Okay. I don't know. So, How thanks some people. We got a bunch of donations this week. I haven't even looked. Huh? We got some. All right. Let's take, <laughs> let's take a look. Revelations Radio News has decided to be a solely listener-supported production. This means listeners contribute to the show both financially and through volunteerism. If you feel you're getting value from the show, please help us by becoming a supporter. We count on you to make this work. Side note, all donations over $25 get a free copy of The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars by Andrew Hoffman. Uh, if you're outside the United States, that's a donation of $40. You can also donate to, let's see, on the website currently we have Bitcoin, XRP, and Litecoin. We need to throw a... Uh, Monero. Monero up there. Yep. Yeah. And we also have a buy my coffee. You could buy us a coffee as well. Or buy me a coffee. You could do that as well. I think we actually got, we've had two of those. It's been a huge investment so far. It's paid off in dividends. But we have two of those. We also need to renew the P.O. Box. We got a P.O. Box donation. But uh, let's uh, let's start with the, uh, start start from the beginning. And it looks like right now the first Four donations are all monthly subscriptions. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, beginning of the month. Yep. Yep. So uh, we have Matthew from Burlington, Ontario. He's coming in with a $7 a month. And this next person, I want to say, I kept saying Sean is donating from Reno, Nevada, $5. Sean is not actually Sean. So I'd like to apologize to Syra. Syra is Sean's wife, I believe. She wrote to us long ago and said, Hi, my name is Syra. And uh, I'm donating, but it, apparently it's under my husband's name. And so from then on, I put it on as Syra, but from then on every month I put, you know, Sean, Sean, Sean. So I wanted, oh. wanted to thank Syra from Reno, Nevada for uh, uh, donating uh, her $5 this month. Autumn uh, from Snoqualmie, Washington continues to give us her $5. Thank you, Autumn. I hope things are going well for you up there. Uh, Kyle in Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, It's $10. And then, of course, we know who it is. Uh, Every week he comes in with this donation amount. Need a a jingle. I know. we got to need a jingle for this guy. (laughs) He literally could play it every week. Danny from Medford, Oregon with $25. Thank you, Danny. And then uh, Suzanne. 
Suzanne is from Saugus, California, and she came in with an interesting donation this time with the 22.22. So, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think of that? Is it the Canadian geese donation from No Agenda, or is it just a, a sack of twos? I think she was she was going to give us $25, mm-hmm. and then she thought, these morons will spend five minutes of podcast time trying to figure out if I should get a book or not when I've already got one. So I'm just going to send a, a lower amount and, and chose the 2222. <laughs> so. uh, that's, uh, I, I, feel believe, like, I feel like there's a really good chance that that's what it was. <laughs> I, I believe uh, Suzanne is the one who sent me the Robert F. Kennedy oh. book. Yeah, well, there we go. There we go. So then, uh, last but not least, we got a donation to the P.O. Box. And that was from a friend of the show. He's uh, He comes in many different donations. So this is from a cold but sunny suburb of Boston, somewhere in New England, where if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. I'm Dave. <laughs> uh, I enclose a DVD. Uh, a DVD of a 30 minute documentary that I created on an earlier part of my life. It's all about nine 11 and predictive programming. It's not current, but it was mentioned in episode 265. So I decided to send it to you. I predict that if you watch the first two minutes, you'll watch the whole thing. There's more in that episode of the Simpsons than just the numbers. PS another contribution is enclosed. And of course, David sent $25. So nice. Yeah. We've got filmmakers Listening to our podcast, too. David David has been a uh, donate, donator for a long time. He's also, yeah. I believe, David, I hope, hope, hope I'm right on this. He was, I don't want to say forced into retirement, but kind of chose retirement uh, because of vaccine mandates. So, Good choice. Anyway, let's see. Where do you want to go from here? Well, it's a- Thanks, everybody. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, thank you, everybody, for donating. Thank you again to uh, Witness the Light Music, who does our, our audio editing and whatnot. Uh, thank you for everybody who's made a donation to the P.O. Box or PayPal. You can do so uh, by going to uh, revelationsradionews.com backslash support. Yes. And, you know, it's I won't spend it all on kitty litter, I promise. <laughs> Microphones is probably what's next. So thank you yeah. guys. <clears throat> so. Well, you want to play the lousy Lindsey Graham McCain clip? Sure. Is that what is it? What else we got? At, at least play the Lindsey Graham part. The John McCain part is pretty quiet. So if you don't think it's coming through well, just stop it. Okay. I admire the fact that you will fight for your homeland. As a your fight is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. Our fight is not with the Russian people, but with Putin. Our promise to you 
is to take your calls to Washington. Наша обіцянка це те, що ми вашу боротьбу доведемо до Вашингтона. Inform the American people of your bravery. Проінформуємо український народ про вашу відважність. And make the case against Putin to the world. І покажемо про докази проти Путіна у всьому світу. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. Я вірю в те, що ви виграєте, переможете. Я переконаний в тому, що ви переможете, і ми вам допоможемо усіма можливими засобами. And we have succeeded not because of equipment, but because of your courage. Ви успішні не через обладнання, але через вашу відважність. So I thank you and the world is watching and the world is watching because we cannot allow Vladimir Putin to succeed here because if he succeeds here he will succeed in other couple of winners Oh yeah if he succeeds here it's like a slippery slope pretty soon Putin will take over the world we can't We can't let him control the area, you know, 10 miles off his border. You know, it's funny. We actually, before we uh, went to the break, we brought up the Facebook and uh, the election. And it immediately reminded me of the uh, time.com article, the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. I mean, they they outlined in this whole article exactly how everything went down. I mean... Yeah, this is, yeah. Private philanthropy stepped in into the breach. An assortment of foundations contributed tens of millions in election administration funding. The Chan Zuckerberg Initiative chipped in three hundred million. It was a failure at the federal level that twenty five hundred election officials were forced to apply for philanthropic grants to fill their needs. Says Amber McReynolds. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so it's good old Zuck. Uh, Quinn's research gave ammunition to advocates. Uh, pushing social media platforms to take a harder line. In November 2019, Mark Zuckerberg invited nine civil rights leaders to dinner at his house where they warned him about the danger of election-related falsehoods, and they were already spreading unchecked. There you go. Yeah. They admitted it. I don't know whatever <laughs> what else to say, but they admitted it in a Time article as in in celebration. Well, it's not admitting it if you just say that it's good and it had to be done. They <laughs> stepped into the breach, Tim. Did you hear our energy secretary when she was asked about the uh the uh the the plan for energy and in, going into the future? Our energy secretary. I was going to say she's the worst, but then I thought of Pete Buttigieg, so Oh, you have your put. I have, let's play your Buttigieg clip first, and then we'll. Uh, I'll follow it up with mine, which I think is worse. Our energy All secretary. Right. Okay, we're gonna really make everybody angry before we. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a five billion dollar investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network, so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings. Of driving an EV, <laughs> just go out and buy a seventy thousand dollar Tesla. That's all you got. Problem do. solved. That's all you got to do. <laughs> oh, it's that's a let them eat cake moment there. But I, 
I uh, I see your Pete Buttigieg, and I raise you our secretary, <laughs> Granholm. What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. There you go. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. I don't know. You could allow drilling for oil. Day you know, one. I, like, lot, I, looked, I looked at it A lot today. of oil drilling stuff around here, Tim. Not much of it's going. Yeah, you noticed that too. Yeah, yep. Um, I looked. I looked at it again today, January twentieth, uh, twenty twenty one. First thing he did, shut down Keystone shut Pipe. Down. It was yeah. It was one of the first seven well, things that he did. Remember that 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 was announced. And but what actually happened was he he retracted the permit. Right. Okay. The official withdrawal of the application for the permit for the Keystone Pipeline didn't happen until like a day before Ukraine. I don't know the date, but it was very recent. You're kidding me. No. That's weird. So when it was officially like at that point, it's dead, right? They'd have to start all over again. Right. So up until then, it could have been like, hey, just to prove it, you know? Like, come on, Biden, just to prove it, and we'll start working again. No. But they, what they did is they paid everyone off. So the government paid off all the, you know, not the actual employees, not that level, but they paid off all the contractors, and, you know, it's like, here's your money, keep your mouth shut, Don't, no complaining. And Warren Buffett gets to ship that oil on his trains, Rescuing that investment. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> but it's... I mean, how long ago was it when oil w- went down to like $9 a barrel and they were like begging, like, please take our oil. We don't want to... We can't take delivery of the oil. So I have, was a, I have a friend Two here. years ago? Yeah, I have a friend here who uh, trades in stocks and whatnot and is always kind of keeping up with oil stocks and whatnot. Um, but he called me the other day. He's like, man, do you see what's going on with oil? Because we talked, I guess it was when it was like April, May 2020. I'll have to look, but I'm pretty sure it's in like April. But yeah, like, I think that's right. About a little less n- than two years ago. No, 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 it kicked it off. It was in March. It was like March because it was okay. when oil fell, that's what triggered the entire collapse. But oil actually fell to negative $40 a barrel or something crazy. Right, because they didn't want to <laughs> they didn't want to take delivery of it. So yeah. It yeah. So people were joking around like what am I gonna do with a barrel of oil? Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. And but yeah, so it hit negative whatever a barrel so back in april that was to be fair that was for like a a minute right i mean that was no it no it it was a day but it stayed really low like ten dollars a barrel yeah that sounds crazy right uh but that was almost exactly the offer the world's energy markets were making back in april of 2020 back when the price of bear of for a barrel of oil settled at 37 dollars and 63 cents Take this barrel of oil and I'll give you forty dollars. <laughs> yeah. So negative thirty-seven dollars. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, and now it's all back. So the pipeline Yeah, $130 a barrel or something. Right? Yeah. yeah. They're saying so what? <laughs> uh, let's game this out. 
because this looks like I mean they the whatever the powers that shouldn't be are kind of going for broke here. How high will America? When when does like serious civil unrest start on that gas yeah. price? Well, I mean, you, people cannot afford if you know the bulk of the American people are in debt. They're not. They're either like barely making what they're paying out in in bills every month, or even negative and you can't just like okay well now now gas costs four times as much you you just can't do it okay for a lot of people you know I, so I, I understand so it, what if, number if you, does civil unrest start well what, what do you mean by a civil unrest what like what number do we really start to see some big problems like people not going to work people starting to become violent people like just it, like, I, well, of, I think you're already seeing people not going to work. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, if I'm making eight bucks an hour and I have to spend 40 bucks in gas to get there and back, it's not worth it. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, you know, it's, so the, I think there'll be a bunch of that, but for civil unrest, you need like a kind of a shock event it's not a gradual thing there's they think they can just starve people out or just uh we'll we'll throw you some you know some u.s dollar digital currency from the federal reserve to bail you out don't worry and then starve you'll have some you have some bill gates soy meat to eat so the last few weeks have been an incredible insight into what a leftist dystopia would look like. <laughs> yeah. uh, mainly in Canada with them shutting off people's bank accounts uh, right. for, you know, just disagreeing. But there's a, there's a new wrinkle to this. You hear they got, they went to Elon and said, Hey, shut down the Tesla's in Russia. Hmm. Did they? Yeah. I did not hear that. No, that is, that's what's been floated. Uh, Elon apparently did said, Nyet! but, Nyet. Uh, but, just just let's really let's really start to think about that for a second yeah. shall we uh power grid goes down you're not going anywhere no at all it, yeah for, forget the government control it's like you know if if your car needs electricity you know and the expensive gas will all of a sudden look a lot better and they they haven't figured out the battery technology. There's still fires with the batteries. There's still you know weird stuff happening. Oil, love it or hate it, is still a better form of energy, especially for commuting and tra- you know transportation. Um, this it, the the amount of control. So they shut off Visa and Mastercard in Russia. Okay, just shut it off. They shut down people's bank accounts in Canada, and then they're asking Elon to shut down people's cars in Russia. How Coinbase shut shut down twenty five thousand Russian accounts. Yep, yep. Because all your uh, crypto that's housed on Coinbase doesn't actually belong to you. Yeah, it's uh, what do they call it? Off network wallet? Off wallet? Whatever it is. So what uh, what wallet should I get, Tim? Exodus. (sighs) I like the it's biblical sounding. 
I just, I just, I should, I should know better. I should know what's going on with some of the cryptos. I just haven't gotten into it too much. But yeah, off. Well, I'm soliciting a, a listener email from someone who knows, like, probably just, our Monero guy yeah. could get to us. He teaches yes. a class on Bitcoin, yeah. so we're, we'll call him out directly. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Just so, tell me, just you know. I prefer desktop, so desktop and mobile. I don't want anything that's just a mobile app. But yeah. Brendan, Brendan, please tell us what wallet we should get for our bitcoins. Yeah. And for by bitcoins <laughs> with an S, I mean, <laughs> I mean Andrew has satoshis. Andrew, for our satoshis, Andrew yeah. has several satoshis, and I have <laughs> none. I dude. By the way, I just sold all the XRP I had. And then I start hearing all this stuff about XRP, XRP, XRP. XRP is New World Order, though. It's like the opposite of Monero. Brendan's probably yeah. like, cur- Brendan's probably cursing. Like, well, so, someone Tim. did. Someone did like accuse us of being shills for accepting Ripple, right? That was the. I, I don't know if they accuse us of it. I think they literally yeah. just said like, I think they said XRP is is NWO, so don't do it. Yeah. So good advice. We'll- yeah. We have it on our website still. Sorry. 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 Um, yeah. I don't know. Do anything else we got to get to? No, the, the oil thing, it is such artificial scarcity. I mean, we've talked about the that the supply chain breakdown is clearly intentional. You've got Monsanto, or now Bayer, owning Monsanto, saying... Well, we got everyone hooked on this Roundup stuff, and now we're paying through the nose for uh, all these lawsuits. So, hey, guess what, people that are that have to have Roundup? You're going to pay 10x, 20x for it. You know, golf courses, farmers. It's a, you know, it's a huge, huge deal. And then that's if you can get it. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the same thing with the oil companies. They're like, oh, we might as well. They're pushing all this green stuff. Let's make a bunch of money on oil. The stuff that's everywhere, blood of blood of the earth. <laughs> you know, should be forty bucks a barrel constantly. Yep. But anyway, they talk about emptying out giant wells of it and then coming back a few years later and it's full again. And it's back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Blood of the earth. Well. Nothing fossil about it. Yeah. Dino bones. We got them <laughs> dino bones. All right, Andrew. Unless you got something else, you know what time it is. Uh, well, I do I do have one other thing I want to get to. Let's, let's do it. I'm ready. So True Stream Media, which is Aaron and Melissa Dykes. Aaron, Aaron Dykes used to... Actually, I think they both worked for InfoWars at one point, but Aaron Dykes was like kind of what Rob Dew does now, like the main producer mm-hmm. for it. Uh, but they've been doing their own thing for quite a while. And they they put out a video recently um, talking about, oh, let's see, I have it written down, generative adversarial network stuff. Are you familiar with that term? I am not. So we've we've talked about it, not specifically, but that's the the AI, if you want to call it AI, that generates the 
the faces. Okay. So, and this is what she's talking about uh, in the clip there. Let me see if I label it. Yeah, True Stream Media. It says, synthetically generated faces are not just highly photorealistic, they're nearly indistinguishable from real faces and are judged more trustworthy. And they thought that was the most interesting part, that synthetically generated faces were deemed more trustworthy. Synthetically generated faces have emerged on the other side of the uncanny valley. This should be considered a success for the fields of computer graphics and vision. But at the same time, easy access to high-quality fake imagery has led and will continue to lead to various problems, including more convincing online fake profiles, and as synthetic audio and video generation continues to improve, problems of non-consensual intimate imagery, fraud, and disinformation campaigns with serious implications for individual societies and democracies. We therefore encourage those developing these technologies to consider whether the associated risks are greater than their benefits. They always say stuff like that, don't they? I bring this up all the time and I feel like a freaking broken record saying it, but how many times have we heard them warn, like, are the benefits outweighing the risks here? Like, it doesn't ever stop a damn thing, does it? Not ever. If you extrapolate into the future and say, well, how good, let's say, will video games be in a hundred or... 200 or 1,000 years from now. If you extrapolate that out into the future with any rate of progress at all, if you assume any improvements at all, if you assume any rate of improvement at all, any rate of improvement at all, like even 0.1% or something like that, any improvement, 1%, 0.1%, then the games will become indistinguishable from reality. Then eventually those games will be indistinguishable from reality. Beyond a certain resolution, indistinguishable from reality. Just in, indistinguishable. It'll be so realistic, you will not be able to tell the difference between that game and the reality as we know it. Then games will be indistinguishable from reality. So essentially we live in a world now, technologically speaking, where Video of a person talking can be edited in real time to make it seem like that person is saying anything. Recordings of someone's voice can be used to generate a soundboard of their voice saying anything, and it sounds like they actually said it when they didn't. Since the 90s at Los Alamos, they could take a 10-minute digital clip of anyone's voice and in near real time, the patterns could be cloned to create a convincing, total and complete soundboard of that person. So it's a fake that can make a person sound like a person says anything they want. And if you heard that, you would think it was really that person really saying that. Generative adversarial networks are now creating human beings out of thin air using bits of images to create and compile people that do not exist. And on top of all of that, it has gotten so sophisticated that people in scientific studies now cannot tell the difference between a synthetic computer-generated human and a picture of a human being that actually physically exists. That is the level that we are now at. I remember when I was a kid, people used to say, seeing is believing. Do you guys 
Am I dating myself now to talk about that? I remember that. I remember that being a phrase that people would generally just say sometimes. Not only do I not think it was ever true then, (laughs) it's definitely not true now. And I think what we're going to start seeing, and this is just my perspective, there are some people who are tapping into their God-given gut instincts and they're trusting that. And there are others who are having that innate sense that we all have overridden by the lower emotions, I guess. Anger, fear, the kind of thing that just gets a knee-jerk reaction without any critical thought happening between the stimulus and the response. Mm. So that's... That was a, a pretty good chunk of it, but uh, people should check that out. And they were, they're also putting out some full-length documentary stuff on, I believe, the financial system. So I haven't watched that part yet. But. Interesting. Um, it's interesting. It's, I was actually just reading about a study that was done that showed there are many people who don't have an internal dialogue. There was some crazy amount of people who don't have an inner voice Hmm. and that they basically were just operating on that same lower frequency that that video kind of ended, which she was talking about at the end where they were just responding, just responding to things and and, and no real thought deeper thought on it and it was one of the scariest things i've ever read because it showed that there was a lot of people who were just kind of going with it just going along to get along and didn't have uh it was it was was interesting gosh i wish i could find i'm like desperately i'm like searching right now i can't seem to i mean there there have been there have been times in my life where uh that would have sounded like a nice Nice vacation. You know? Oh, I'm I'm like, with you. <laughs> there was many but people. Who, it's many hard people, to imagine. Yeah, many people who had linked this story or, or this study were talking about like, man, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> it's like, because people who are finding it uh, have uh, people are shocked to discover that not everyone has an inner monologue. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was uh, fun. Here, here, I found it. Fun fact. Some, this is from uh, Kyle from. Kyle, I don't know, from Twitter. Fun fact, some people have an internal narrative and some don't. As in, some people's thoughts are like sentences they hear, and some people just have abstract nonverbal thoughts and have to consciously verbalize them. Most people aren't aware the other type of person exists. Hmm. Isn't that weird? (laughs) No one does both. You are very special if you if you can do both. Um, anyway, it just but it, so, it goes on. But that that's different than what you're talking about. What do you mean? I mean that's different than not having an internal monologue. That's a like different type of internal monologue, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's true. No, this was this is just a, a link to this is a tweet which I thought was referencing the same article, but or from the same study, but it's not. Uh, 
But yeah, they're talking about having a no inner monologue. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, for... <laughs> I don't know. Shocker, as a English major philosophy minor person, it's all words. Like, like don't give me visual directions. Give me words. Like, the, you know, it's... Everything is... Everything makes much more sense in word form than in um, pictures, diagram, or what have you. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's why uh, Orwell talks so much about the words. Once the words were elim- some certain words were eliminated, the ideas of which they were contained started to disappear. Right? Yeah. Did you see? Uh, James Corbett's recent, like, censorship episode? No. Oh, no, 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 I didn't see that one yet. Yeah, he actually talks about that at the end, but very good. Just talking about the the new speak, um, and from Orwell's, it was actually from the appendix of 1984, talking more about new speak and limiting basically limiting thought by limiting language. So if you can't verbalize it, if there's no words for it, you know, you can't, can't express it. So it just turns into, (laughs) I don't know, animal sounds grunting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I get animal sounds. The the sounds I make probably when I first, first wake up the, the, the double plus ungood. You know? <laughs> I forgot about the double plus ungood. Yeah. Well, without any further ado, guy who buys $80 worth of cat litter. Do you have any words of wisdom for us? Yeah. Don't never accept. Never listen to, you know, your members of your family when they think, Oh, wouldn't it be neat to have a, have some cats? <laughs> wouldn't that be a good idea? I have a cat, and it hasn't changed my life because at all, Andrew. Even if, even if you say, like, I will have no part in dealing with this cat. Dude, these you're are, the dad. These are That's the a, terms. That is a lie. That is a lie. You are the dad. And you, you absolutely you, will have every part in dealing with that yeah. cat. Yes. I, I currently live in a house where, so just to let everybody know, there's a barn at this house, and there's a cat that lives in the barn. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't say, hey, I want a cat in a barn. <laughs> but but here I am. I spend the money, and I go out, because there's a cat that lives in the barn. So I gotta, I, you got to feed the cat in the barn. Thank God I don't have to buy any uh, litter for the litter box, apparently, because, you know, the cat lives in the barn. So <laughs> the cat, cat, yes. can, cat, can, cat can do whatever it wants to do. But uh, it's like the, my my daughter's highlight of the day. Go feed the kitty cat. She runs out there. She only got to cut, touch the cat like twice because it's kind of a kind of a wild cat. It's not not super interested in a one year old touching it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I yeah. I will say these cats, they let my my youngest daughter get away with so much. Oh, like, that's good. That's good. Where they, by all rights, should be scratching her, and you yeah. know she's. She's lugging them around. She's rubbing her snotty nose in their fur, and they're 
they put up with it for some reason. But. Well, that's good. Well, they are. So they are good cats. You're not going to get rid of that's those. The only, cats. That's the only reason. Uh, yeah. You know, there's some there's some spaces under the back fence, and if they make it through to the Northwest Expressway, this oh, will no. be oh no, oh no, be so, a sad sad so, day. But accidents happen. So literally, oh no, gosh, brutal, brutal. Little do these cats know that they're one all they all they really have to do is is turn on your youngest and that's like the final straw like that oh yeah then, just, then they'd just be thrown over the back fence, a mine like a minor a minor turn on your youngest even momentarily would be like straw straw that broke the camel's back just yeah psh, there's, you're out of they're here. hanging by a thread <laughs> yeah by a cat's whisker as they say so the words of wisdom are as a father no matter how many times you say I will not be responsible for for whatever pet yeah, for whatever you absolutely will be. That's good. Yes. That's good. If we do uh, end up buying a aforementioned place, I'm sure that there will be animals in the future. And I'm sure that I will have conversations about whose responsibilities they will be. But make no mistake. I'm very well aware of whose yeah, responsibilities they will I be. I think, you know, I think animals are good outside. Yes. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. part of the. Much of the difficulties are the fact that they're, they're inside. This yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have a 15-year-old dog, so I don't know how much longer she'll last, but she's uh, she's still trucking right along. So she uh, she's made it in the house this long. It's not like I can throw her out now, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she's got to stick around. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a nice dog. Yeah. So. Okay. Well... There we go. Uh, do you know what's going on in Ukraine? No, I don't either. But uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be good for you or me or anybody we know. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm against all the Nazis. I'm against the Nazis on both sides. I'm also against uh, higher gas prices, and I'm against Elon, and I'm against electric cars, and I'm against. I'm pretty much against all these things. See what what Trump should have said instead of there were very there are very fine people on both sides. He should have said. There are Nazis on both sides. <laughs> they couldn't have used that against them. So I want I want everybody at home to do a litmus test, and that is uh, how long did it take your pastor to talk about Ukraine? So I wanted to compare notes. I I, I because you mentioned that like I mentioned it let yeah, off the service. Yeah, yeah, like just no no high, no nothing. Like let's pray for Ukraine. Let's get down to it. Right. That was what it did. So I'm in and I'm like peaked. I'm like, okay, where are we doing this? And I'm like, well, first off, I, I may have already missed it. Cause I'm like five minutes late. Cause I got to check the kids in and all this stuff. So then I'm in I'm singing and do the stuff. And okay. When does it happen? Not nothing. Nothing happens. Okay, cool. So stuff is the singing is done. And then somebody comes up and prays in the prayer. And then oh, boom. Then it's the pastor gets on the stage. Then it's pray for Ukraine. So I felt like we're, and even when he said pray for Ukraine, he didn't, he wasn't specific. He just said pray for Ukraine and check out this person. And then we like literally like went to the screen and we, this church sent somebody to Ukraine. And I'm like, this is perfect. We want somebody who's actually there to say something. And so he's like, pretty much says the most like non, like if, if I didn't know this church, I think that he wasn't there, but he was just like, Things are pretty tough. Yeah, it's a it's a fluid situation. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Like, I think he, I think he clearly was there, but he didn't say anything. He didn't say like the Russians are terrible and they're killing everybody. He didn't say Ukraine people have heart. He didn't really say much. He just said it's very real and it's a it's a stressful situation. It's stressful even to be here. And then and they broke into prayer for it. So I felt like that was a measured response. So I'm not going to feel too embarrassed. No, uh, no weapons fundraisers. No, no weapons fundraisers. I'm not going to feel too embarrassed if uh, when the Nazi stuff comes out. I'm not going to feel embarrassed for anybody at the church I've been attending anyway. That's good. Yeah, this is, <laughs> you know, guns in America, worst thing ever. Guns in Ukraine? Oh, yeah, that'll help them out. That's what you need when there's an invading army. Just give them to random people and to the criminal gangs. I don't know. It's, they're they're being set up to be. Oh, that's right. That was from rebelized. That was from No Agenda, wasn't it? That was from uh, a No Agenda listener who wrote in saying, "Hey, by the way, they just dropped all these guns on all the corners, and now all the gang members have them." Hmm. Yeah. Did you hear that episode? That was like two episodes ago. I heard that episode, and and separately, there's. There's been reports of, uh, you know, gun battles where, yeah. and the Russians are still, you know, 15 miles away. Like it's not Russians; it's gangs going back and forth. Yeah, but, yeah, they're actually fighting each other. They got all these gangs, um, and I think I, we have to talk. I'm going to briefly mention something. This is on No Agenda Social, and uh, for anybody that does listen to No Agenda, last week uh, I had a cringeworthy moment when Pat Robertson was played on the air of uh, No Agenda, oh, yeah. which is really bad for people like Andrew and I because for <laughs> No Agenda show we want to say, hey, there is Christians who understand the stuff you're talking about and care about the same stuff you're talking about, and then they're like, oh, cool, Christians. That includes here's your guy, Pat Robertson. <laughs> Let's see what the Christians are saying. Oh, yes. Yeah, Pat Robertson, uh, Putin is the Antichrist was basically his take, wasn't it? No, More or less? somewhat. But then One some notch of, uh, below that. Yeah, yeah, but then don't forget Jared Kushner. Still, there's still a possibility it's Jared Kushner. Well, God compelling God is compelling Putin to to attack Israel. I think that was the Pat Robertson. Oh, take. that's good. That's a pretty pretty insane statement. Yeah. You know, yes. Andrew, you know what I'm thinking <laughs> right now? Insane. Let me let me just let me talk to you for a second, Andrew. All right. I feel like God is compelling you <laughs> to throw those cats over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. Like, why how could you say that? I'm gonna read yeah, what you wrote. I'm gonna read this thing that you wrote. This is on No Agenda Social. This is essentially a tweet for those people who don't know what that is. This is from Andrew Hoffman himself. If someone asks you if you think, insert name here, might be the Antichrist, the correct biblical answer is always no. When a whole lot of people, like just about everyone, start thinking that someone is the Jewish Messiah or that Jesus has returned to earth, that may be the Antichrist. I'll take Chris White over Pat Robertson any day. <laughs> and uh, I got the... Bible prophecy talk link in there. So. That's right. He's got Bible prophecy talk from Chris White so in there. Chris has probably had, you know, basically thousands of visitors from that from that uh, Mastodon toot there. Andrew Hoffman is a kingmaker. 
sure. No, and I also responded to, I'd also like to add that every time Russia is involved in a conflict, it's not automatically Gog versus Magog. Yeah. And if you go with the Chris White timeline, Gog Magog happens at a minimum 1,000 plus years from now. (laughs) So Putin probably not going to be around then. No. But right now, I think we got to we got to figure out how to arrange ourselves into 10 kingdoms. <laughs> but uh, I just realized that after I played that true stream media clip, mm-hmm. did you know who that was talking about the, if it, the games get 1% better? No, it was, that was interesting. Uh, it sounded familiar. It was all Elon clips. I, I thought it was Elon. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was Elon. So, I had a sneaking suspicion, but he was maybe younger. It was um, it was clips from a pretty wide range. So interesting. Th- this has been a theme of his that the the games will keep getting better until they're indistinguishable from reality. And then he he's you know the whole oh, we're living in a simulation. It's very likely we're living in a simulation, all that garbage. but He is, uh, strikes me as Gnostic. Yeah. Yeah, and there's... Gnosticism. I don't know if that's the version of, well, he was, I guess his ex now was the Satanist. Who's that? And the goth looking, whatever her name was. And then he's, yeah, I don't know. Don't trust Elon Musk. There's my, there's my words of wisdom. Amen to that. To that. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, thanks for doing the show, Andrew. And I guess we'll see you next week. Thank you, Tim. We'll see you next week. And before I forget. Uh, We should have a special guest next week, Scott Armstrong of the Rebunked Podcast. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say-